Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program. Yes, on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial here on a Saturday, as we have been since the 80s. We are the defenders of government schools. We are the defenders of the values of government schools, which, as Jean always says, and you've got Rob here today, Jean's away, as Jean always says, it's very important that we state exactly what a state school is. Now, a state school is a school that takes all comers. It is open to all. It doesn't care. If a student is religious or not religious, if they're black, they're white, they're brindle, they're gay, they're straight, they're, they're, they're anything at all because a state school has the values of inclusiveness as opposed to private schools. And we defend those schools. And, of course, state schools are secular institutions. They're not institutions that push any particular religion. doesn't matter what it is because that's what education is all about. It's about educating children in what they need to know to live in a productive society. And that's what you get from a state school. In a state school, you don't get Anglican maths or Catholic English or Islamic science. You just get things that you need to know without any particular religious bent. And, of course, state schools aren't involved in anything as stupid as a public-private partnership. State schools are for all. Now... Here on the Dogs Program, we've been around for a while defending public education because it needs to be defended. And every week we try to highlight the issues that are coming up in Australia and indeed around the world and certainly in Victoria. And there's been several issues, both of a sectarian nature and also a sort of marketeering nature because you see the marketeers want to get a a bit of money out of education in Australia. And here at the Dogs, we don't think they should take our taxpayers' money and get profits from education. We'll be discussing the vocational education and training issues in Victoria, which are just a scandal. Um, And they have been a scandal for some time and they continue to be. And we have some information on that. But before we go to those sorts of issues, Jean, who always comes up with a press release, in fact, she's come up with 659 of them over the years. That's a lot of press releases. And if you're interested in reading them, of course, probably not all of them at once, I think, that would take you a few weeks. But if you're interested in dipping into Jean's press releases, you can go to the Dogs website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Well, she's done 619, and this is press release 620. And she's actually drawn attention to the fact that Archbishop Hart mistakes religious freedom for freedom to discriminate. Now, a lot of um, the debate when it comes to education in Australia is based on the idea that the government should give taxpayers money 
to religious institutions because that is an, an argument that allows that institution to have religious freedom. And, of course, it seems in Australia that religious institutions can't have any freedom unless we, the taxpayers, subsidise those religions. Um, stating it like that, I think it's pretty obvious that's a nonsense argument. But what happens in Australia, um, almost uniquely in the world, is that when taxpayers' money goes to religious institutions, um, there is no oversight of that money. And in fact, all religiously-based private schools in Australia today are exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country. They can discriminate against whomever they wish based upon their religious principles, even though the money they're using to provide whatever services that they think they're providing um, is actually my money. It's your money. Um, and here at the Dogs, we've always thought this is wrong. An Archbishop of Hart of Melbourne has actually recently demanded religious freedoms for Catholics and Catholic schools and their teachings on sexuality. He also argues against those questioning Catholic discrimination in employment in Catholic institutions. Now, strangely, Archbishop Hart does not fall back on the Religious Freedom Clause in the Australian Constitution, which is Section 116. Um, but then the Catholic Church is not about freedom of conscience or freedom from religion. Now, Archbishop Hart stated in this article, Extending Tolerance to Catholic Teachings too, and this article was in The Australian on the 1st of October, with that very odd, selfish freedom, namely freedom of choice. Now, he claims this basic, selfish freedom of choice is a universally accepted fundamental rule of civilised society. But in his discussions of freedoms, he makes no mention of freedom of conscience. Although he refers to religious freedom as, and I quote, the right of individuals and organisations to follow the dictates and teachings of their faith without unfair and unjustified interference, the Catholic Church has not changed. For Hart, religious freedom refers to the dictates and teachings of, well, we ask the question, is that of the Pope? Um, is that of the Archbishop himself? For Dennis Hart, the Reformation and Enlightenment have never happened. Now, the particular issue that is troubling the Melbourne Archbishop and Catholic school administrators is the threat of the Tasmanian Greens who are questioning in the courts a school text which they believe discriminates against same-sex couples. He's also concerned that in Victoria, the Greens are preparing a parliamentary bill to remove exemptions for religious schools from discrimination laws in staffing and enrolments under the Equal Opportunity Act. Now, the dogs would actually fight alongside Dennis Hart for genuine religious freedom and freedom of conscience, and above all, freedom from establishment of religion through state aid. But Hart's Catholic, alongside other religious schools, take billions of dollars in state aid money from the taxpayers, and the Andrews government, as we have reported here on the Dogs program before, has just delivered them a further $200 million dollars gratis, for doing nothing at all. Now, this is a direct result of a pre-election deal between Labor and private school organisations last year to legislate a link between private and public school funding. 
The Andrews government delivered on the deal in February this year with the Education and Training Reform Amendment Act. Now, this act guarantees that the state government funding of private schools is at least 25% of the state government funding per public school student. Now, I would add that this funding from the state government is on top of, is in addition to, government funding from the federal government. The federal government are the primary funders of private education in Australia today. Now, Archbishop Hart talks about the right of Catholic schools to operate in line with religious beliefs. Yet, for 26 days, Dennis Hart's church argued in the High Court case in 1979, when the dogs were in the High Court back then, that Catholic schools were not religious institutions and that Catholic schools were no more religious than state schools. That's what Dennis Hart got up and said in 1979 in front of the the High Court of Australia. Now, the dogs say that Archbishop Hart cannot worship God and mammon at the same time. nor should he have his cake and eat it at taxpayers' expense. We, the taxpayers, according to us, should demand that heavily subsidised Catholic schools and all religious schools be open to everyone with discrimination for none. Any school in Australia that takes money from the taxpayers, state aid, should be state-owned and state-controlled and not exempt from the laws against discrimination. Well, that's the dog's position. That will be the dog's position, and that has been the dog's position for a very, very long time indeed. Um, You're listening to The Dogs Program, the defence of government schools. And we know we have lots of loyal listeners out there, and it's a shout-out to you. And many of our listeners, in fact, uh, contact us at The Dogs and supply us with material for the program because even though we work very hard to find out what's going on, we're only a reasonably small organisation, but we have lots and lots of supporters. And here at The Dogs, we like to thank those supporters for supplying all those, all those little bits and pieces of material that here at 3CR, Community Radio, we can put over the airwaves, because you're not likely to hear them from other media sources. Now, here in the studio today, of course, it's been myself, Rob. Jean's not here today, as I mentioned, but Dale certainly is. And um, we've been looking around the, the mainstream media, and a couple of interesting things have popped up. Now, we often hear talk about free market theologians, <laughs> and our finance minister, Matthias Corman, I think is one of the high priests of free market theology, <laughs> if you listen to what he says and see what he does. And he's made some interesting comments about education in Australia into the future. Now, he's in government, so at the moment he has power, and he's given us a little insight into how he thinks education should be sorted out into the future for Australian children. Um, Dale, can you enlighten us a little bit more? Well, I'm not entirely sure enlightens the right word. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I've got an article from The Guardian, uh, and... It's entitled, uh, Scott Morrison encourages states to let private sector run schools and hospitals. Oh, so it wasn't Matthias Corman at all, it was Scott Morrison. Oh, no, no, but Matthias weighs in very much so. The finance minister, Matthias Corman, says the idea would include providers competing with each other to deliver better health services. 
Mm. Oh, right. Ah. Oh, okay. So state governments are being encouraged to open up the delivery of health and education services to the private sector. The push for more competition was recommended by the Harper Review, which will be put before state and territory treasurers at their next meeting, scheduled for later this month. The federal treasurer, Scott Morrison, told News Corp Australia on Saturday the review highlighted a number of areas overseen by the states where they thought things could be done a lot better. The Finance Minister, Matthias Cormann, said the idea would include a diversity of providers providers competing with each other to deliver better services, both in terms of quality and cost. That, of course, that is, of course, good good for parents and it's good for our country as a whole, he told Sky News, specifically on healthcare. Senator Cormann uh, cited a growing demand for services, particularly given the country's ageing population. Labor concedes it's true there should be a competition to ensure more efficient spending. But opposition MP Michael Danby criticises the federal government's cuts in health and education funding to the states. It's very hard for people to find efficiencies within that massive cutback, he told Sky News. Crazy business. I know. Uh, Look, I think this gets back to a very fundamental point, which is why I talk about free market theologians. Now, theologians, of course, are people who deal in, in doctrine, in, in Kant, that is, to, you know, they go around saying something is true because they believe it to be true. Now, there is an old saying, I think, and that is, you have faith, you have faith that something is true, and often in religious circles, this is described as one of the fundamental basis of, 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 of hmm. religious teachings, and indeed belief. You might believe in something because you have faith that it is true. And then you have proof. Mm. You have proof that something might be true. Now, proof is almost never absolute, but you look for evidence to see if something is true. And it's often said that proof denies faith. If something can be proved to be true, you no longer need to have faith that it is true. And that's why I call them free market theologians. (laughs) Matthias Cormann has said there in very simple terms that competition is good. Um, and we should privatise health and we should privatise our schools and we should allow private providers to come in because that will improve the system because they will compete with each other and when they compete with each other, everything will be better. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, there is proof that this is not the case and I will be discussing it later, but one of the most significant bits of proof, and it's not from overseas, it's from here in Victoria, is that if you get a whole heap of private providers and you involve them in education, in the vocational education and training sector, you don't get better outcomes, you get corruption. You get businessmen trying to make a fast buck, trying to play the system, there's taxpayers' money, and they want it, and they want it for doing the smallest smallest amount of work they, they can. They'll, they'll get it fraudulently, they'll get it any way they want if there's taxpayers' money out there. If for education, private providers will get it, and the children and students be damned. That's exactly what's happened in Victoria. So there is proof, there is proof that if you privatise and bring businesses and private organisations in to run an education system, there is proof that it's a stuff-up. It doesn't work. So that's why I call these people who want to get private providers into the education system even more than they are already as theologians because the only basis of their belief is one of faith. It has nothing to do with proof whatsoever. Now, 
Over the years, um, we've had two major political parties, and we've heard from one, which is Scott Morrison and, and Matthias Common, telling us the free market theology, that competition is always good. I think Christopher Pine said exact, exactly that a couple of years ago, and he's the old education minister. He's not there anymore. Hmm. But apart from the, the ruling elites, which are currently in power, there is an opposition party, which is the Labor Party. Now, the Labor Party has been somewhat of a disappointment over the decades <laughs> when it comes to education, and Bill Shorten has got something to say in a tangential way about his attitudes to the way the education system works. Um, Dale, can you fill us in? Because Bill Shorten's going on about criticising the government in the most obscure way possible. I'll just read it. <laughs> the Sydney Morning Herald article, uh, this came out on the 8th of October. Bill Shorten defends record on public schools after private school comments. Opposition leader Bill Shorten has defended his record as a supporter of public education after saying Sunday after saying Sunday penalty rates should be maintained so low-income families can afford private schooling. Mr Shorten on Monday said, for people on 40000 to 50000 and $60,000 a year, penalty rates are the difference as to whether or not they can afford to send their kids to a private school. After his comments generated criticism from public school advocates, Mr Shorten said he was referring to low-fee Catholic schools in, Mel in, in his Melbourne electorate, not high-fee private schools. The truth is, a lot of Australians depend upon penalty rates. They depend upon penalty rates to be able to afford the things in life which give them a chance to have aspiration and hope, Mr Shorten said on Tuesday. I was referring to the local Catholic schools, the primary schools in my electorate, where a lot of parents there, both are working, both need the penalty rates. I can think of parents who work in aged care facilities on the night shift. They don't get to see their kids because they're earning enough money to pay the modest school fees of a Catholic school or to be able to afford the second-hand second car so mum and dad can get to work. Penalty rates for a lot of people, make the difference between quality of life and just being able to make ends meet. Mr Shorten said there was a myth that only people who serve coffees on Sunday mornings rely on penalty rates. Social commentator and public education advocate Jane Caro tweeted on Monday, with Bill Shorten doing private schools marketing for them, all Turnbull has to do is sign up for full Gonski and he's got my vote. Mr Shorten on Monday tweeted, There's no greater supporter of public schools than, than I, only Australia Labor is backing Gonski's needs-based funding for our schools. Mr Shorten was educated at Xavier College, a prestigious Catholic school in Kew in Melbourne's eastern suburbs. Green's Workplace Relations spokesman Adam Bant said, Forget about private school. Without weekend rates, many people can't afford to pay rent. We need well-funded public schools and well-paid workers. Going down the path of privilege is a losing strategy for labour. If we start linking weekend rates to private schools, then we've lost the argument. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I, I find that fascinating. Bill Shorten, uh, a, a graduate of Xavier College, a, a well-known and very well-funded private school, um, that is well-funded by the government, apart mm. from just the parents, um, is talking about the necessity of, of people to send their children to private school. Necessity. And, oh, it, it's just 
It's extraordinary. Well, anyway, Jean, of course, who's not here, but I can use her words because she's written another press release, press release 621, which is available on our website, www.adogs.info. Yeah, she has a very interesting response to Bill Shorten, as I'm sure regular listeners will know. Mm-hmm. And she says the public school supporters have found Bill Shorten falls short as Labor leader when it comes to promoting public education. He claims that penalty rates are the difference for some people being able to afford to send their children to private schools or not. Crazy business. Um, Now, if Mr Shorten is more interested in the votes of aspirational private schools, parents, as opposed to public school parents, then perhaps the more than two-thirds of Australian parents who still choose, and I use that word in inverted commas, Mm -hmm. to send their children to our wonderful public schools should actually now start considering alternatives to the Liberal or Labor parties, because they've both sold out. Or perhaps Mr Shorten could heed the letter to the editor by Maureen Savage on the 7th of October 2015 in The Age, who suggested that it was time he looked closely at the principles that Labor espouses, and if he cannot support them, then step aside for a leader who can. Or perhaps that John Tully, who also wrote um, as a letter to the editor in The Age on the 7th of October, John Tully said, Bill Shorten, my working class parents' aspirations were to send their kids to the best possible, free, secular, universal state school system, providing they should always be the aim of the Labour movement. If you do not agree, please join the Liberals. Exactly. So uh, it, it's, it, it gives you a window. It actually mm. gives you a window. Because often people said that, that Tony Abbott, when he was Prime Minister, was out of step with the Australian people. And that was one of the reasons, I think, that related to his downfall. I would suggest to Bill Shorten that in talking mm. about the aspirations of people wanting to send their kids to private schools as some form of necessity that relates somehow to penalty rates, he's way out of step. He's way out of step with two-thirds of the population who do send their children to state schools and do not like being given backhanded insults Mm. by the leader of the Labor Party for the choices that they make. And when I say choices, I mean inverted commas because the whole choice argument has been demolished many times, not just by us here on the DOGS program. That is the defence of government schools, which is what we do. We'll have some more news about educational issues after these messages. Are you looking after someone? Carers Victoria supports people looking after friends or family members who have a disability, mental or chronic illness or are frail due to age. There are 774,000 carers in Victoria. Are you one? We're here to support carers through practical, financial and information services. Just call the Carers Advisory Line on 1800 242 636 to start the conversation about how we can help. The New International Bookshop, Melbourne's famous left-wing bookshop. We stock the widest range of left-wing literature and merchandise, as well as heaps of cheap quality second-hand books. Visit Nibs at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, or online at www.newinternationalbookshop.org.au. Coming up at Trades Hall, on Tuesday, October 22nd from 7pm, left historian Stuart McIntyre will talk about his new book, Australia's boldest experiment, war and reconstruction in the 1940s. The New International Bookshop is a 3CR supporter. 
Yes, welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dials. Great to have your company. Um, we just had a little sort of snapshot onto the both Liberal and Labor Party's ideas and attitudes towards education in Australia, both of which, of course, are kind of depressing from the, from the point of view of a state school advocate. But we don't get, we don't get down about it because there's a fight on and we're the dogs. We defend government schools and we defend them because they're being attacked. Um, um, in passing, um, it's probably worth just mentioning a little bit about the Greens' position on education. And John Kay in New South Wales, um, who's in the upper house up there, he's a staunch state school advocate. And um, Adam Bant, yes, interesting fellow. I think he should actually start to come out and talk about state schools in an exclusively positive way. Um, because, of course, the Greens in Victoria changed their platform and now actually support the government funding for private schools, whereas previously they did not, which is a bit depressing from Ooh. our point of view. Yes, a compromise there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if the Greens will concede this as a political opportunity as a potential third party, because education is always a hot-button issue politically in Australia. Now, moving on to other news, um, often we talk here about the economic benefits of a strong powerful, well-resourced, gold-standard state education system. So many countries around the world see that the way a country can survive and thrive in the 21st century is to get the largest number of people who are citizens of that country as well-educated as they can be. Here in Australia, we do not do this. We take government funding and we give it to the state school system and then we take a lot of money and also give it to the private school system because all the sort of free market theologians and religious institutions think it's a good idea and the politicians are forced to agree. So it seems. But this is, in fact, a very wasteful exercise. And here's just a little snapshot on exactly how, because in Sydney, interestingly enough, there's a whole bunch of private schools on the north shore of Sydney that are doing some extraordinary things. There is a group of Sydney's most expensive schools who will this year spend up to $200 million, not specifically on teachers and educating kids, but on new facilities, as these schools seek to attract more lucrative student dollars. Because the more facilities you have in your school, of course, the more money you can charge to get people through the doors. This is a classic free market exercise. You build your brand, you create resources, you create facilities, and then you charge a lot of money, and then the school has a lot of money. Um, Quite frankly, if they were doing it with their own money, go for their lives. You know, I'm not going to get in the way of a business owner trying to do the best they can in business. However, it's not their money they're spending, it's my money they're spending. Now, several documents have been submitted to the New South Wales Department of Planning that reveal that several schools, the Winona School, the Redland School and the St Ignatius College, Riverview, are planning on spending millions within the next year of, on state-of-the-art facilities. Now, the other developments, which range from a retail and hospitality hub at the Riverview College to an Olympic pool with underwater cameras and timers at Trinity Grammar College, are designed to lure new students that pay tuition fees of up to $30,000 a year. Now, the Winona Girls' School in North Sydney has lodged a development application for an indoor pool inside the new six-storey building focusing on science and technology. Now, despite the school offering to build the new pedestrian overpass for the general public, residents and councils are still opposed to parts of the plan for the $40 million construction in one school. Now, the impact of views, privacy, noise and forced removal of trees in the area are all concerns according to submissions to the planning department. Now, two kilometres down the road, 
Another set of residents are concerned that they could be hit with noise and traffic problems as the Redlands School pushes through plans for a $46 million development of a state-of-the-art performing arts centre and rooftop pool as part of a 20-year, $104 million redevelopment plan for the school. Lawyers for the residents, these are the rich people who live around, who strongly object to the proposals, have been engaged according to submissions to the planning department. A spokesman for the Redlands School said the school was continuously consulting with the community. According to the principal of St Catharines, Julie Townsend, schools need to consider the concerns of the community, but expectations from parents had grown enormously, driving the demand for new facilities. She said, and this is fascinating, she said, the days when a decent education was good enough are over. <laughs> now, last week, the, 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 the Sydney newspaper um, said the Dr Townsend School was, a battle with, was in a battle with residents. The New South Wales Police and two local councils over a $63 million development of, you guessed it, a pool. <laughs> And world-class 500-seat auditorium. Oh, you've got to laugh, don't you? Miss, Miss Townsend said, we need to have an orchestra pit because our girls are developing those skills. She says, we need to redevelop our water polo pool because you have water polo players playing for Australia that can stand, that can stand up in our current pool. Now, at Trinity Grammar in Summerhill, Ashfield Council and residents accused the school of development by stealth by skirting the local planning regulations. Trinity headmaster Milton uh, K-U-J-E-S, Cougars, I think is the way you pronounce that, said the school has always endeavoured to respond to any concerns raised by neighbours in a positive, constructive manner. Oh, isn't that nice of the headmaster? For months, residents and the Ashfield Mayor, Lucille McKenna, have waged a campaign against the school's expansion. A Summerhill resident, who asked not to be named, said, It's getting to the point where it's very difficult for residents to coexist with these mega-schools and their mega-rich budgets and mega-arrogant attitudes. Now, the principal of Riverview, Paul Hine, described his school as, it, as behaving as if it owns the suburb. Significant parts of the campus were built in the 19th century, he said. This is the principal at Riverview. The walls are so thick it's difficult for Wi-Fi to penetrate. Mr Hines said the pace at which many private schools were developing was down to the rapid speed of technological innovation. The drive in education over the last decade has been technology in a lot of the existing facilities act as a constraint, he said. <laughs> Once you build, they are not going to build for the next couple of generations. They have to have maximum agility, he says. While Trinity, Riverview, Redlands, Winona and St Catharines will spend up to $200 million combined, one Australian preschool will spend that amount on one campus alone. The Australian International School in Singapore will set a new world record for an early learning centre when its campus is complete in 2017. The preschool will offer one-year-olds access to a 22-metre swimming pool, a 470-square-metre multifunction hall, five library and learning resource centres, and a dedicated parent cafe. The Sydney schools say the developments are funded by student fees and millions of dollars in donation. However, 
each of these schools receive between 5 and $10 million a year from, you guessed it, you and me, the taxpayers. Now, obviously, obviously, <laughs> if we're giving them up to $10 million a year per school to educate the kids, then, of course, the money they get from parents they can spend on anything they like, and guess what? They are. It's an arms race up there in Sydney. Parents' I, Cafe. A parents' cafe. <laughs> Now, Dr. Jeff Newcomb, the Executive Director of the Association of Independent Schools of New South Wales, said that the parents funded the facility. <laughs> and he said these parents should be applauded for making the education of their children a high priority. One school, Winona, was actually unavailable for comment to the media. This is just... Sickening. It, it, it is. Now, why not... Here's a suggestion. Why not take the government taxpayers' money away from those schools so that it can be put into state schools for the benefit of children who go to a school where there are no religious tests, there are no financial tests, there are no tests on anything. And there's no pools. And there's well, do you know what? And well, no, but there are well, temporary buildings too. Do you know what? There's a pool down the road. I don't know about you, but when I went to school, it was a pull down the that's road. What, I mean, that's where that, I mean that's where we went to swimming sports. Yeah. Pull down the road. We didn't need one. I mean, and you learned how to interact with the public uh, as yeah. well. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that thing. And politely, you know, I actually used to play water polo in high school, <laughs> and you know, we went to the local pool <laughs> and we did it in there. Jeez. And uh, you know, that's 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 what you do because the local pool was built with taxpayers' money, and I was a state school kid, and yeah. we did the swimming in the local. The, the, the idea that these things are somehow essential for these... Re- I don't get it. Just take the government taxpayers' money away and then what that man from the Independent Schools Association in New South Wales would be saying would be true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, parents can spend the money to build a pool for their children in their school because yeah. it's necessary for the... Yeah. yeah, go for your life. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, go for your life. Just if you're going to do that and you're a private edu- private, you know, private yeah. school... By the way, all of these schools are are, are religious in nature, which means that all of these schools can kick anyone out under Mm. any basis they like because they're exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of the country. Does that also mean that um, they can do whatever they like with the money and we who gave them the money will never know? because And and they'll never be required to tell us either? No, not at all. all. Never, ever? No. Well, they might be audited. In fact... In Victoria, uh, the Auditor-General here in Victoria earlier in the year decided he wanted to find out where money was going in private educational mm-hmm. institutions. Uh, Mr. Doyle, his name was, um, he's out of a job now. Oh. He's gone. He, he, he's that not, happened quick, didn't it? Yeah, that, that was gone. I mean, apparently he – well, we don't know anything more than he has gone. And there was, there was a claim of actual harassment against him, and he's resigned since then. But it's interesting. I wonder if that report he was going to – to table into the funding and where it goes in terms of follow the money powers. I wonder if that report... I haven't, I haven't seen it. Mm. It was due out actually last month. But yeah. I still haven't seen it. I'm waiting actually. There's no to report see and now there's no job. Yeah, hmm. there's no job. It's, well, I mean, I, I it's don't know what's done. It's, I think it's fascinating. Oh, here we are with the dogs dealing with conspiracy theories. Yeah. Whether, the, whether, those, whether those two things are related, I have no idea. All I know is that if you want to find out where taxpayers' money goes, once it goes into the Catholic Education Office or Independent Schools Australia or into various schools, it is extraordinarily difficult to find out. 
Now, the My School website does have some information in terms of total numbers, but that is very much that, – that, that, that's very much, uh, I don't know, peripheral. It, it, it's, it's just it's a sort of smattering of information because we can't find out. In fact, many years ago, I was talking to a fellow who was very involved in the Catholic education office, and I told him, I'd like to know where your money goes. Can I find out? And he went, no. It's ours now. Get your hands off it, and you're not allowed to because you'll be infringing our religious liberties by even asking. Fascinating process, really. Anyway, we have some more reviews, news, and interviews um, in the Dogs programs to come, but we'll be returning with some more information you don't hear on other media outlets except, of course, for 3CR. We're returning after these messages. Come along to a fundraising trivia night organised by the North Carlton Railway Neighbourhood House. Support your public housing neighbours and learn more about the struggle to maintain public housing in public hands. It's all happening on Saturday, October 31, from 7 to 11pm at St Michael's Church Hall, 14 McElwraith Street, Prince's Hill. Bring your own food and drink and join the fun. Tickets are only $25 with discounts available for a table of eight. All proceeds go towards young people and families living in public housing in our community. For more information, call 9380-6654. This event is organised with the help of Friends of Public Housing Victoria, proud 3CR supporters. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR855 on the AM dial. It's good to have your company as we, well, as some of our listeners say, as we tell you the truth about what's going on in education in Australia. Now we have, it's not just us, by the way, that are defending government schools. There's a very interesting group of people called the Save Our Schools organisation up in Canberra. Um, Trevor Cobalt is, is one of the people up there who does a lot of good research, good solid research. And we often refer to him when it comes to issues of education around Australia today. Now, I was just having a discussion a little while ago about Education Australia, and someone mentioned to me, look, what's going on in Australia is social Darwinism. It's, it, it's, the, it's, 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 it's the fittest fighting the unfittest. If you happen to be born into a family which has no money, then you're pretty much stuffed. And if you happen to be born into a family that has lots of money, then you will get all the advantages that our country can provide. And that's just the way it is. Now, I... I thought this was a bit extreme, so we did some research on this, and I thought, is it true that the income of your parents is one of the significant factors when it comes to the quality of education you receive in this country? Is being poor in Australia a disability? Is being rich in Australia a significant um, determinant of the quality of education, not just how much money you have or how much money you're likely to earn, but just in the quality of information that you get as part of a school? Because if that's true, then Australia is not a very civilised place because it is a mark of civilization. It is a mm-hmm. mark of a, of, of a civilization, certainly in the 21st century, that if a civilization has its own best interests at heart, then every child should be able to, given, to be given an opportunity to develop their own particular and sometimes peculiar talents because that's the way a civilization survives and thrives. If they're a musician, an artist, an engineer, an accountant, a street sweeper, if that's where they want to go and if that's what they want to do, then they need an education that will support them in that. You know, 
because we are people, who citizens of a nation, who have to survive in a global economy. Mm. And the most important thing, of course, is the ability of your citizens to survive and thrive. And the only way you can support the ability of all your citizens to thrive and survive is give them the resources to do so. And that is through education. Now, it turns out that Australia, in educational terms, is not a civilised society. Now, this is not a criticism of state schools. This is a criticism of an entire system which has been developed over the last 30 years. It's not something that existed previously in Australia. It's something that we have grown for ourselves. It is a de-civilising influence the way education is funded in Australia. Now, why do I say this? Because the unequal access to curriculum is widening achievement gaps in schools, according to Trevor Cobalt, who's done some research on this. Now, there's a new study that has found that there is a vast gap between rich people and poor people in the opportunity to learn rigorous mathematics in Australia's schools. The unequal access to maths curriculum in Australia is amongst the highest in the Western world. <laughs> so this isn't just in absolute terms, it's in comparative terms as well. What I'm saying is that we're doing something peculiar here in Australia. That means that if you're rich, you get access to good mathematics education. And if you're poor, you do not. That's what's happening in Australia. And it's not happening in other countries around the world. Certainly um, similar countries, that is OECD countries. The study also found that unequal access to maths curriculum is a major factor behind the large achievement gap in mathematics between rich and poor. Now, this particular study was published just a little while ago in the Educational Researcher, which is a journal of the American Educational Research Association. Now, it's data which was gathered back in 2012 um, as part of what we often refer to here as the PISA studies, which is the Program for International Student Assessment. This is across all the different countries. And this is to measure differences in learning opportunities in mathematics to estimate how much unequal access contributes to the overall effect that wealth has on mathematics results in over 33 countries around the world, which are part of the OECD. It found that most affluent students generally receive better opportunities to learn rigorous mathematics across the OECD, but they have a particularly large advantage in one place, and that is Australia. Australia has the sixth largest gap between the top and bottom SES quartiles. What that means is it has the sixth largest gap between the rich kids and the very poor kids. Um, inequality in opportunity to learn mathematics is higher in only Spain, Luxembourg, Belgium, Austria and New Zealand. The countries with the lowest inequality are Estonia, and Sweden. The study also found that over half the gap in mathematics resulted between high and low SES students is due to unequal access, this is just access, to rigorous mathematics curriculum. The impact of unequal access to rigorous maths accounts for 52% of the achievement gap in Australia. This is the third largest in the OECD and is exceeded only by the Netherlands and Korea. In contrast, Unequal access to rigorous maths content accounted for only 1% of the socioeconomic differences in maths in Sweden, only 10% in Iceland. 
On average, across 33 OECD countries studied, about one-third of the overall impact on SES on mathematics results was due to inequalities in access to mathematics curriculum content. Now, what this study is basically saying is access to a rigorous maths curriculum, that's a good course of mathematics, which is effective and rigorous, taught by a good teacher, um, is something that here in Australia we need to worry about. It's not something that necessarily other countries have to worry about, but we have to worry about it here in Australia because we have a very peculiar setup, very peculiar education setup, where we have a couple of different education systems, the public system, which is open to all, and then we have a private system which can kick out any kid they don't like and can ghettoise not just ability but on, on social issues as well, or issues of colour or race or religion, because that's what private schools do. Private schools create an apartheid system, and it's not just an apartheid on ability, but it is an apartheid on ability. Now, that's not a curriculum, that that is not a criticism, I should say, of the state school system. This is a criticism of access to rigorous mathematics curriculum, because In Australia, the largest number of those students who have economic need, that is, poor students, are, of course, in the state school system. So if you've got that problem, what do you do? You support the state school system so that we in Australia do not have the embarrassment of having to say to the rest of the world that our rich kids can get a good ticket to a good job, and indeed if it's a religious school, a good ticket to heaven, and poor kids can... I don't know, go to hell. Go to hell in, in, in every sense of the world. You know, be damned. Because that's what's currently happening in Australia. Terrible business, if you ask me. We'll be returning with more issues um, and we'll be, in fact, examining, as I promised before, what's going on in the vocational education and training sector in Victoria after these messages. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back again to The Dogs Programme here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Now, the Australian Education Union have had a campaign to support TAFE because TAFE's been in a mess for a while because their money's been taken away and given to, oh, that's right, the free market to make sure that kids get educated. And it's been an absolute disaster, an absolute unmitigated disaster, not around the edges but at its core because what they've done is they've created a situation where private training providers have been rorting the system because they can and because they wish to and because they're built to because that's what they are. They're private training providers. They're there for the benefit of their shareholders, not for the benefit of their students. And the AU's been doing a bit of digging and I think Dale's going to fill us in. Thanks, Rob. Yes, uh, here's uh, quite an eye-opening article. Uh, This... uh 
There's a, a press release from the AU entitled Andrew's Government Must Fix Broken VET Funding Model. Victorians are still being rorted by dodgy, profit-driven training companies, highlighting the urgent need for the state government to fix the broken Vocational Education and Training, or VET, funding model, the Australian Education Union Victorian branch said today. The shocking stories of disadvantaged Victorians being taken advantage of by unscrupulous providers are too common in a market-driven system that puts profit first, said Meredith Peace, AEU Victorian branch president. If the state government is serious about rescuing public TAFE to, provide, to improve training standards in Victoria, they must cap the funding available to private training providers and crack down on those taking shortcuts to maximise their profits using taxpayers' dollars. The AEU has consistently called on the state government to fix the broken funding model and to prioritise funding funding for public TAFEs. The union's campaign calls for the government to address three key areas to improve improve Victoria's VET system. One, cap contestability. The government must cap the amount of funding made available to private businesses to deliver vocational educational training in Victoria. Funding priority should be given to public TAFEs, which should directly receive at least 70% of public funds. Number two, mandate minimum hours for student education. Too many dodgy training providers receive funding from the government only to deliver a few days' training for some courses that should take 12 months or more to complete. As a result, many students are not getting the skills they need to enter the workforce and often being lumped with thousands of dollars of student loan debt. And three, set a mandatory and enforceable minimum teacher qualification for VET. Currently, people can be employed in education and training positions with a certificate for qualification. Students deserve fully qualified teachers, providing high-quality education and training for their studies. Miss Peace said profit-driven private colleges can access unlimited government funding with no requirements to deliver minimum course hours. We have a broken training system, Miss Peace said. Our economy is changing and it's more crucial than ever that TAFEs are resourced to deliver the education and skills to Victorians that employers need for the future. Public TAFEs can be, in, can be trusted to deliver educated and skilled graduates. We urge the state government to take immediate action to fix the VET crisis and to guarantee that TAFEs will directly receive at least 70% of public funds, Miss Peace said. Oh, thank you very much, Dale. Yeah, this is going to be an ongoing, continuous thing. You cannot make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, as they would say back in the old days. <laughs> it's not just that the system needs tweaking, the system's broken. And I'll tell you why. It's really simple. For anything to work... Certainly in terms of taxpayers' money, you need three things, and it's in this order. Firstly, if you're giving someone some money, some taxpayers' money, that money needs to be accountable. Mm. After that, after, you've just, after you can find out where it goes and what it's spent on, then it needs to be effective. 
So you give them someone some money to do a job and they do the job. You have to work out firstly if it's accountable and then if it's effective. You can't work out if it's effective unless it's, it's accountable. accountable yeah. And thirdly, it needs to be efficient so you don't go around wasting money. Mm. So it's accountable and if it's accountable, you can work out if it's effective and if it's effective, you can work out if it's been efficiently spent. That's the way the TAFE system used to work. TAFE system gets the money, they're accountable for that money, and they have to deliver good training. If they deliver good training, then someone says, are you doing it efficiently? And then you work out whether they are or they aren't. What's going on with the private providers is it's the world turned upside down. The government said, well, competition makes things efficient. So they say, good, it's efficient. And then they say, well, is it effective? Well, they don't know if it's effective or, no, or not. In fact, the only reason we're finding out if it's effective or not is whistleblowers coming in forward and saying that this is a complete rot. People are wasting money and people are buying expensive cars and the whole thing is just stuffed up because it's completely unaccountable. Mm. So it might be efficient, but it's not effective and it's not accountable. Without accountability of tax, for taxpayers' money, you can't do anything. So it's not just the same with education, it's the same with health, it's the same with infrastructure, it's the same with public transport. It's the way the world works. Now, free market theologians, they think they can turn their world upside down and get themselves a better result. They're kidding themselves. So please, Matthias Corman, if you're listening, mm. please, Scott, Scott Morrison, if someone says, hey, have a listen to Rob on the radio, <laughs> do have a listen to me because that's the way the world's worked for centuries. Mm. You can't just have some free market, some strange neoliberal idea about how taxpayers' money should be spent and hope it works because it doesn't. Now, to finish off the dogs program, I've just got a little article here about what's going on in New South Wales with the chaplaincy program. Mm. As you know, um, in Victoria, the Fairness and Religious in Schools organisation, a shout out to all our Yay. listeners, all our listeners to Ferris out there. Um, they had a win here in Victoria, but the, the battle still goes on. But in a sort of a parallel universe to the special religious education um, <laughs> debate, there's the question of chaplaincies in schools which has blown up recently in New South Wales because there was a, there was a movie. Um, it was called Gaby. It was about, uh, it, no, it was, it was about a, a couple, a, a, a um, homosexual couple who had a child. It was a sensitive portrayal about how that child got through life, the difficulties and the challenges and how those challenges could be overcome. And what happened was that the um, student organisation in the Burwood, in, in Burwood in Sydney said, oh, this is a good, sh this is a good thing, um, we'll, um, we'll show this at a state school. Um, and various religious organisations got very grumpy about it. And there's one, in, in, one organisation in uh, New South Wales called Gen R8, mm. which are a chaplaincy organisation, which are government-funded, just by the way, this chaplaincy organisation. You're paying for them, I'm paying for them. Um, and they're That's being funded, funded by the government to do this. And there's been an interesting development on the relationship between Gen R8 and the government in New South Wales. I'm referring to an article by Christine Needham, which was published in the Sydney Morning Herald on September the 25th, when she said, the Australian Education Department will seek to break the dominance of the controversial Gen R8 ministries from New South Wales school chaplaincy. The department will instead appoint a panel of chaplain providers to for schools to choose from. Now, there is a tender, which is encouraged by the Parents and Citizens Association, community groups and religious organisations to apply, was released a fortnight after a disgruntled minister linked to the Generate Ministries was revealed to be behind the push to have the Gaby Baby film banned from the Burwood Girls High School. 
The Presbyterian Minister, Mark Powell, took to radio to campaign against the film. It was later revealed he previously oversaw the Generate Ministry Scripture classes at Burwood Girls High School, which were cancelled, by the way, by the school principal. Mm. Now, the Generate Ministries, interesting, Bob, have chaplains in 150 of 360 New South Wales public schools funded by the National School Chaplaincy Program. And having these 150 chaplains generates $3 million a year in income from the taxpayers. Yeah, that's right, from the taxpayers here in Australia. Strange, isn't it? Now, secular, that is non-religious, self or welfare workers, are now banned under the new Liberal government's rule changes. And these secular workers used to hold about 150 positions, but now they're all gone. Secular welfare workers have been banned. Already, the largest provider, Generate Ministries, has aggressively marketed its services, sending information packs to 2,200 public schools with an aim of doubling its chaplaincies and therefore doubling its federal funding. Now, Generate Ministries General Manager James Flavin learnt about the tender when it was published on the New South Wales Government website this week. He said it had the potential to cut into Generate's business model. That's right. God has a business model. (laughs) Now, Mr Flavin said it's the first time it's happened, but he says, I'm an optimistic person. Now, there are likely to be competition to provide school chaplains in Sydney, he said, but we are more likely to be able to put a quality and and qualified chaplain into schools in regional areas, he says. Mr Flavor said he met with Mr Powell last week, but distance generate from the Gaby Baby campaign and said, oh, that wasn't us. Now, to overcome a high court ban on the national chaplaincy scheme, the Auburn government made a change that will see it administered by the states for the next four years. New South Wales has allocated $10.79 million annually by the federal government to pay to religious organisations to put religious chaplains in state schools. Now, an Education Department spokeswoman said the opportunity would be open for charities and non-profit organisations such as religious organisations, community service groups and parents and citizens associations. This process is happening to give service providers a fair opportunity to participate in the program and so schools have a broad selection of pre-qualified providers to supply chaplains. James Athanasu, Adjunct Professor of Education at UTS, that's University of Technology, Sydney, and the Greek Orthodox representative of the Director-General's Advisory Committee on Special Religious Education, has described Generate Ministries as... A, this is interesting, a strange concoction. Now, Generate Ministries has 250 staff and is a joint venture between Scripture Union, Sydney, Sydney Anglican Youth Works, Presbyterian Youth and Baptist Churches. Now, James says money and religion don't mix. Religion should not take government money. Yep. Yep, James, you got it. You got the dog's position in one. Well done. Now, Mr. Athanasu is concerned the controversy over the chaplaincy program and Generate Ministries has muddied the waters for scripture class providers. Now, former West Australian Labor Senator Louise Pratt told Federal Government last year Generate Ministries was believed to be linked to extreme anti-gay movements that 
and at the Lausanne Evangelical Conference. Senator Pratt said gay students had been told by school chaplains in state schools to pray the gay away. A submission to the Australian Human Rights Commission lodged by Generate Ministries stated homosexual activity is a serious sin and organisations were committed to teaching this in scripture classes but its school chaplains would avoid proselytising. How does that work? I really don't know how that works. Anyway, um, more next week because we've come to the end of the Dogs program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. If you want to do some research into us as we defend our government schools, you can contact us. Have a look at what we talk about on our website at www.adogs.info. But until next week, when I'm sure there'll be some more issues to discuss, um, it's bye for In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill, went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find your hill. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he.